Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. It is Friday the 13th, 2023. Do not let that scare you. Although some are going to seek to provoke to scare you today. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that um, a former leader of Hamas has called for an international day of jihad. um, And not for peaceful protests, but specifically for bloodshed. And I'm not sharing that with you to scare you. I'm sharing that with you so that you will be informed. Do I expect uh, anything or much of anything to happen as a result of that? No, but I do expect us as people of faith to be vigilant, to take seriously um, the the threat of those who would seek to do harm to everyone and anyone who is not like them, because that's what's going on here. Um, this call for global jih- a day of global jihad um, is put... Uh, law enforcement agencies and officers on alert across the country and around the world. Just I'll just use this as one exemplar. So the city of New York, um, which is is probably the most well-prepared in, of any city in the United States um, because of their horrific experience, not only of 9-11, but of a number of other uh, terrorist-related threats and attacks. Um, they ha- They are requiring every... Every member of the New York City Police Department at every level of every variety. So detectives who are normally in plain clothes will be reporting for duty today in full uniform so that the people of New York, when they encounter a police officer, they will know it is a New York City police officer. Um, And so that is one thing they are doing. They are focusing on infrastructure. Um, If people have been involved in protests or counter protests, over the last week related to uh, Hamas's terrorist attack upon Israel on Saturday morning. Um, on either side of that, there there will be um, very, very heightened uh, awareness by law enforcement in terms of who is where and what they're doing and what they're saying and what they're threatening. Um, and so just, just have a heightened awareness today uh, that that is something that Hamas has called for uh, in in the as a, as an unfolding part of what uh, is going on, uh, Gaza is under siege. That's my my language. It's been fully um, bordered off, barricaded off. Nothing in, no one out. There are calls um, for there to be a humanitarian corridor opened up um, into the Sinai of of Egypt. Egypt has at this point resisted that because Egypt is dealing with refugees from the crisis in Sudan and they don't have capacity to handle another flow of of refugees. Israel has 
has called upon the United Nations to figure out a way to um, evacuate some 1.3 million people from Gaza um, who Israel recognizes are civilian noncombatants. But that means that Israel thinks there are a million people in Gaza who are combatants. I mean, the math here is not difficult. And if you think that um, <clears throat> this has already been bloody and horrific, uh, when the ground invasion begins, it is uh, going to be measurably worse. So um, I know that is a heavy lift to start with right out of the gate, um, but some things are uh, desperately important for us to know and be aware of. So how do we process all of that? Um, how do we enter into our day? Well, first we acknowledge the reality uh, of God and his goodness, his grace, his provision, his sovereignty, and that God is the God who knows everything that is not only done in the light, but that which is done in the dark. So today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Jesus is focused here on uh, giving and how we give and what we give. Um, this is uh, on the surface of a lesson about giving, but there's a lesson beneath it that I don't want us to miss. So Jesus says, when you give to the needy, first of all, that's a when, not an if, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, which basically means like, don't ask people to put your name on the building. I mean, you know, if you're going to give the building, give the building, but don't ask people to put your name on it um, or whatever it is you're giving. Like, don't, don't give your, don't give in some demonstrable way. Um, you know, I mean, if you're giving, do you really have to have your name on it? Do you just, people need to know it's you that gave it? That's really the question there. Uh, so your giving should be in secret. That's what he says. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So here Jesus is saying, you know, so this this thing should be done in secret. But there is something else beneath this. And this is the acknowledgement that that God, the father, sees what is done in secret. And today, as there are 150 hostages being held underground in um, in tunnels beneath Gaza City and, and, and probably beyond that, but most likely under the most densely populated portions of the city, because Hamas likes to use civilians as cover for what they're doing. Um, and keep this in mind as you're hearing what's happening um, and you are hearing that the people in Gaza have nowhere to hide and nowhere to go. Hamas has hundreds, hundreds of miles of tunnels beneath Gaza. Um, they are secure locations, but the civilian population is not allowed to use them. So, so when you hear that the people of Gaza have nowhere to go, just recognize that Hamas is keeping all the civilians up on the surface while the members of Hamas are in the tunnels um, safe and secure. <clears throat> just keep that in mind. 27 uh, Americans are now uh, confirmed dead um, in this unfolding event. And so we're grieving today with those who grieve. Their names and stories are beginning to pour forth. Um, and so you'll want to be aware of that. Um, 14 Americans are still missing. And we don't know that they are all being held hostage, um, but strong strong evidence that at least some of them are based on the eyewitness testimonies of those who were with them when they were taken. So uh, there, there is 
there, those stories are pouring forth as well. A mother and a daughter from Chicago, Judith and Natalie um, Renan, uh, they were visiting with uh, with family at Nahal Oz, which is one of the kibbutz near the Gaza border, um, where many, many people were killed and um, and some taken. So um, let's be on alert today. Let's not be people who become terrified, but let's become people who know how to process what's going on and the signs of the times in which we live. Than Bennett is going to join us next. He's going to help us get equipped for the living of these days. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, joining us now, our friend Than Bennett. He's the host of The Equipped. You can listen to The Equipped right here on the Faith Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central on Saturdays. Than, good morning. Carmen, my friend, good to hear your voice. Yeah, likewise. All right, so um, we like starting out with you um, where where you always begin the equipped newsletter. So, yeah, so let's take a deep breath and um, and let's um, let's let's talk about when the tree is dry. Yeah, you know, and I will say this, Carmen. It has. I'll just be very honest with you up front. This has been a, a suffocating week. I think you're for allowed, many of you're us. You're allowed here. You're allowed here to say it's been a hell of a week. Because yeah. it has been. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I've literally found it hard to breathe at moments. And yeah. I I say that as someone, Carmen, who is not, you know, directly or even indirectly impacted from family members by what's going on. Um, but before I dig into the truth, I just want I want to say this, because this is what I've been reminding myself of in those moments. We can still rejoice because my name your name, the the name of many of the listeners listening, hopefully most of them, our names are written in heaven, Carmen. And so it can be suffocating, it can be brutal, and yet we can still uh, rejoice. So I just, I just wanted to say that off the top. Um, but yeah, so in the Equipped this week, I wanted to do something that acknowledged, even before we got into the news, the the weightiness, the devastation of the news, but then also pointed to hope. And I, I don't think there's a better way to do that than to talk about the most significant event in all of history. It's the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I just want to read one verse, one statement from Jesus as, as he's on the road to be crucified. And this is in Luke's gospel, chapter 23. Jesus turns to some of the followers who are following after him mourning. They, they're, they're people who love Jesus. And he says this, he says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? And Carmen, I, I want to encourage people to go to the equipnewsletter.com and read this entire uh, passage because I don't have time to get into it on the air. But I just want to, a couple of things to start with this morning. That statement was a foreshadowing that the rejection of Jesus would extend to those of us who follow him and call on his name and, and claim his name. And I think we are seeing that in our world. Jesus said that to his followers in that moment of his greatest apparent weakness to then set up the the thread of scripture that would promise us again and again. And I would point to 2 Corinthians 12. I would point to uh, uh, Hebrews 12. There are other passages as well. But where Jesus promises that it's in our weakness 
that we find and that we realize and that we exercise and that we channel uh, his strength. He walked in weakness to associate with our weakness, and he did it, it so that we, he could promise his strength to fill those to fill those gaps for us. So in a week like this, I, I do want people to, to, to read the entire truth that we started in, in the equipped. But I, I think this is a good place to start because I don't know about you, but I feel weak. I feel helpless to uh, make a difference in what's happening on the other side of the world. But our Savior has written our names in heaven, and he has promised that it is his strength that will fill our weakness. I like the offering um, that you make uh, in this portion of the equipped as well from um, from the book of Hebrews. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Hmm. This um, this walking in weakness, this getting on our knees, um, recognizing that we may not know what to do, but we do know that our eyes should be fixed upon the one who has done everything that is necessary for our salvation. None of this should cause us great surprise if we have read the Bible. Um, and so I do think that acknowledging the historic nature of what is a war over land that is considered holy by multiple groups of people. Like that is, that is um, important to recognize. And it's the same sand upon which Jesus walked and it's the same land um, in which he died. Um, And Jesus was a Jew. Like there's so many parts of this that are woven together and, um, you know, I don't want to equate the modern state of Israel with the with the biblical Israel, but I also recognize there there is a connection. Like you can't disconnect the two, and yet I don't want to um, over. Um, uh, I don't. I don't want to make the mistake of making them equivalent. And so I think that there's so much here. And so thank you for offering up the tree of life. Thank you for offering up Jesus. Thank you for offering up the cross, fixing our eyes where they need to be fixed, um, even in the midst of times when um, things upon this earth are very, very, very challenging. And in, and in my estimation, about to get even more challenging in the days and weeks to come. Um, Than, let's uh, let's turn our attention to the headline news in just a moment. We're talking with Than Bennett. He is host of the Equipped, uh, the Equipped newsletter, which you can get at theequippednewsletter.com. He's also the host of the Equipped, a show right here on the Faith Radio Network that you can listen to Saturday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central. We'll be right back. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at myfaithradio.com. The nation of Israel has, uh, through its military instructed more than a million Palestinians today to evacuate the northern end of Gaza, directing them to head to the southern part of the territory. Um, This is an unprecedented order uh, in terms of the history of this place and its people. This this would be um, uh, equivalent to half of the population of Delaware being ordered from the northern part of Delaware into the southern part. Um, And so um, 
the uh, the land invasion is uh, <clears throat> is likely soon to follow. Than Bennett is here with us. He's host of the Equipped. You can also get the Equipped newsletter. So, Than, um, I heard something uh, last night uh, on the on the news. Um, a reporter saying, "Hey, I can only offer this on background because um, you know it's it's not a comment that I can." Uh, attribute to the person who said it, but um, this is in relationship not only to what's going on in Israel, but um, but the issues here in the United States related to the U.S. Congress not having, um, you know, not having a speaker. This individual said, "Look, not even Jesus of Nazareth could get 217 votes in the House right now." <laughs> um, I think that's probably correct. Actually, uh, you know, I. The situation in the, in the house. Let's start there, Carmen. Um, we live in a world governed by institutions of man, and that is on full display uh, right now. We we fortunately uh, we fortunately are journeying to a place where that's not the case. But there are there are four hundred thirty three. Uh, active votes in the House of Representatives right now. There are 435 seats in total, but 433 are active in voting right now. So you need 217 votes on the floor of the House uh, to become the Speaker of the House. As probably most people who are listening know, we've now been without a Speaker for about a week and a half since Kevin McCarthy was ousted. And in just the last 24 hours, we've had a new nominee that was Steve Scalise from Louisiana, nominated by the GOP behind closed doors. And then just uh, a matter of hours later, he uh, withdrew his his nomination because it was clear he would not get to that 217 number. And now there is no nominee. And I would just tell you, my, my background is from the House of Representatives. And I don't think anybody can get to 217. And I think eventually what will happen is one of two things, either there were, and maybe a combination of these two, by the way, Carmen, I think they will likely uh, give the speaker pro tem, who is Patrick McHenry from North Carolina, they might give him some temporary powers, but I think eventually they're going to have to do what they did with Paul Ryan when John Boehner step down as speaker. I think they're going to have to recruit someone and likely demonstrate that that person has 217 votes from within the conference uh, before that person will agree to accept it. I don't see another path to someone inside the GOP conference being able to get to 217 votes. Um, I I will note there that you said anyone within the GOP conference, there are, Mm -hmm. you know, there's certainly um, consensus on the Democratic side of the House, that they have a candidate and they only need to find what? Something like seven uh, members of of the GOP to come over and vote for their guy on their side. And that would be um, unprecedented as well. I mean, I, I do think that um, right now the person who has the most support in the House to serve as speaker is actually not a Republican. Um, and that's I mean, I, I can't even imagine such a thing. And yet here I am imagining it. Well, I I love this question, Carmen, and I appreciate that you're willing to go there. This is a conversation I've had with a lot of folks in this town. I live in Washington, D.C. or near Washington, D.C. this week. I, I have asked people on both sides of this debate, how can it possibly be true 
that everyone on both sides of this issue is simultaneously saying these two things. On the one hand, they're saying our republic is in danger because of the fragile state of one of our main institutions, the U.S. House of Representatives. The fact that they don't have a speaker is endangering our republic. How can they say that on one hand and then on the other hand, be unwilling to come together in a way that resolves that issue, because you are right. The Republicans could solve this on their own by finding 217 votes. The Democrats could solve this on their own. In one way would be the way that you said, by getting a few Republicans to, to work with them. The other one could be by negotiating with the majority power, uh, party in the House to provide some votes for a nominee. I, I would tell you this, neither party in our current climate Carmen would be willing to do that. But it, it shouldn't be possible that it is true for those two things to, to be said at the same time, that a republic is in danger because of this situation, and yet our party is not willing to be a part of the solution. And so I, I don't want to land there, though. So let me just quickly say this. This is actually why we write the equipped, because we think that we as Jesus followers need to model a new approach that is going to look different in the world. Honestly, it's going to get mocked. That idea that, that the parties hmm. should work together and not help each other out of a bind like this, that is mocked in this town and in this culture. But I think the only way we get to a place where it is not mocked is if those of us who follow Jesus actually step out and lead and model it first, and eventually others will follow. Um, I, I heard um, a friend say yesterday, we need a Mordecai. Um, and obviously referring there to the character in the story of Esther. And so that might be worth worth reading today. If you're you're thinking about spending a little time with the Lord and getting into the Word of God, maybe read the book of Esther today. It's not very long. Um, there's lots of characters in there. Esther, we know. Um, Haman, we know. Um, the king, we know. The Jews, we know. Um, Mordecai, maybe Mordecai is one we should lift up and— um, uh, he accepted the things that he couldn't change. He accepted uh, Haman's hatred. He accepted the king's edict. He had the courage to change the things that he could change. Um, the response of the Jews to the king's ruling at the time, the demeanor of Esther um, and her willingness to see herself diff differently. He applied um, the wisdom of God to know the difference between the things he couldn't change and the things he could change. And um, the factions of his day were powerful, but with the right leadership, um, you know, anything was made possible. So, you know, maybe today we need a Mordecai fan. Uh, you know, it's it's great that you bring that up. You know, he also didn't make it all about him. In fact, when he saved the king— That's why, we, that, that's why people that, don't even know his name. It's why they'd have to, like, that, look him up, right? Well, they, like, yeah. had to look it up in the records, right, to realize that, <laughs> oh, my goodness, this is a guy that previously <laughs> saved the king. Maybe we shouldn't kill him. <laughs> Um, but, but Hey, Hey, look, that, that, that's what I mean. If, if we lead from a servant's heart, if we lead from a place of actually wanting to provide restoration and redemption, it actually can make a difference. I'm, I want to make one more point on that though, because I actually think this applies to how we need to be thinking about the situation in Israel as well. I appreciated the tension that you brought up, acknowledging that the, that, the, that the state of Israel is not necessarily the same as the people of Israel. However, and, and you mentioned this as well. I do think those of us who follow Jesus need to be very intentionally acknowledging of the special covenant and bond that our God has with the Jewish people. And you bring up 
Esther. This is one of the examples I wrote about this week in the newsletter because the Jewish people have been targeted for extermination because of this special covenant down across the millennia. And 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 the book of Esther is the early account that I gave in the equip. A modern one is, of course, Hitler's Nazi regime. This has been something that has been recurring over time. And we as followers of Jesus need to acknowledge that special covenant. And also, this is another place to land on praise. We need to be super grateful, Carmen, that that original covenant that was offered to God's chosen people has now been opened up through the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus to those of us who are not of uh, Jewish heritage. So um, th- there's a few other thoughts that I think that story should should have us thinking about today, but I think that's the first one. Let's acknowledge that covenant with God's chosen people, and let's be grateful that we now get to enter into it as well. Yeah, I think I reminded uh, everyone yesterday, but it bears repeating every day. You know, we're talking about the chosen people of God. They are the Jews. Um, We, as Christians, are engrafted into that vine through Jesus, um, who is the King of the Jews and the Savior of the world. Um, So, Than, thank you, uh, as always, for the conversation today and for the Equipped, both the podcast and the newsletter. You guys can check in with Than online. TheEquippedNewsletter.com is where you can get the newsletter. Uh, and right here on the Faith Radio Network is where you can hear The Equipped every single Saturday, 4 p.m., but obviously it's always posted as a podcast as well at MyFaithRadio.com. So as we um, as we pivot here to, um, to a conversation with our friend Chris Martin, um, I just want to say this. Fake news is traveling really fast today. Fake news is traveling really fast today. Um, and there is... Uh, there is something real called the fog of war. Um, social media platforms um, are instantaneous environments where news, quote unquote, news can be created out of nothing um, and then rapidly spread. And so um, knowing knowing how to pause um, and account for the source um, knowing how to pause and ask yourself, is this true? And as a person of truth, not passing it along um, in unless and until you can verify that it's true. So just over the past few days, misinformation has proliferated um, on all kinds of social media sites. Um, a video viewed more than 2 million times just on Monday, um, which purported to show one thing, actually showed something from a completely different part of the world. Uh, It wasn't happening in Israel. It was happening in Azerbaijan. Um, They weren't Israelis. um, They were, uh, you know, Armenian. And so um, another post that was viewed more than a half a million times purported to show a plane that had been shot down. It was actually a screenshot from a video game. So um, be careful what you are looking at and verify that what you are looking at is actually true. We want to be people of truth and we only want to be passing along that, which is um, like, you know, God honestly true. So we're going to talk a little bit more with Chris Martin about this next misinformation around, um, uh, around what is happening and um, how to be careful, how to be careful, not only about what we pass along, but about what we read and how we respond to it. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Our friend Chris Martin is back. He is a social media, I'll just use the word expert here. He is an editor for Moody Press and a social media consultant. You can find him on Twitter, now known as X, at ChrisMartin17. Chris, good morning. Hey, how's it going? What do I even call, it's still Twitter to me. You still type twitter.com in to get to X. It's called X. When I'm posting on Twitter now X, what am I doing? Because I can't call it a tweet. This is, I just need this help immediately. Uh, I still call it Twitter. I, I, you I know, can, right? You can, you can pry Twitter and tweeting from my cold, dead hands. So I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not on board with this X nonsense, and I'm just kind of hoping it's a fad that goes away. But, you know, we'll see. I, it's, so, it's so, like, it's so, not, you know, Facebook kind of changed its name to Meta, but that was really just the company, not like Facebook is still called Facebook. Uh, and so I don't, like... Yeah, practically, it's kind of hard to even talk about it as a platform by just saying X. It just sounds totally. silly. And then, yeah, to, to verbalize it, like to make it a verb doesn't make sense either. So I'm just still rolling with Twitter and tweeting. It's good. Me too. So um, I, I have social media in view this morning, um, and I thought no better person in all the world to talk with about this. Um, a lot of misinformation out there. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that um, that people capitalize on horrible, horrible events where, you know, every eye is tuned into social media because that's the fastest place to get updates and, and, and feel connected. And yet that also means that it, it becomes um, it becomes a platform, um, a vehicle through which misinformation is not only posted and shared, but then spreads like wildfire. So can you talk with us a little bit today about um, filtering? I mean, I think that's the best word that I have for it. Filtering. Yeah, yeah. So I think we should all be aware, if we're not already, that the um, there's always a sort of like low-grade or even medium grade risk of misinformation uh, and fake media on social media, right? Like even you can come across a happy, funny story, video image um, that is just totally fake. And, but like, you're like, I don't care because it made me laugh or it made me happy or whatever. So like social media has always had misinformation problems. And there's always this like, static low level risk of commonly running into fake stories, fake news, fake media, uh, misinformation of all kinds, whether, whether heavy or light. Um, it's just kind of a, kind of a risk or, or a cost we always grapple with on a regular day on social media, that risk and that volume, if you will, the volume of misinformation on social media is exponentially amplified during times of crisis and fear and vulnerability for two reasons. I I can think of two quick, easy reasons why. One, um, because when there's some kind of crisis or source of fear globally, you know, that's kind of captivating the attention of people around the world, like you said, there are going to be plenty of people who want to capitalize on that by sensationalizing what's going on, by sharing um, either past content that, you know, in this, in, you know, this situation, we're talking about like war, right? So sharing images from previous armed conflicts or, you know, things like that. 
um, that's a common way because it's kind of hard if you think about it it can be kind of hard to just like whole whole cloth fabricate you know a bomb being dropped on a city like unless you're just like a really good video video editor or whatever like you're not going to be able to just probably make that out of thin air but you can take some sort of like digitally modified uh video from three years ago in azerbaijan like you were just talking about and make that look like it's currently happening and people are just going to assume that you could even not if you posted that and you're trying to dupe people and manipulate people you could just post it without even sit without even lying with like hey this is from israel you could just post the video and people are going to assume that's from the current conflict um i've done it myself and and i've like i've had to work really hard myself to make sure that everything i'm consuming around the current conflict in israel is actually real and current um, the other reason why I think the volume of misinformation, the risk of misinformation is turned up exponentially beyond people who are trying to capitalize is we, if you call us, you know, the consumers, the normal people who are just on social media are afraid or we have heightened emotions. We're angry. We're, you know, we, we have, we're more emotional. I guess you could just say whatever we're feeling. We were feeling more and perhaps thinking critically less, which means we're more likely to fall for stuff. Like we're more likely to be tricked. If you just think about it, take it away from social media and global conflict, you're more likely to be tricked when you're falling in love with someone or when you're really mm. angry or like you're just more likely to think less critically when you're operating at a higher emotional level. That's why it's not good to argue when you're like angry or, or have a, you know, have a hard conversation with your, when you're angry, but it's better to have a hard conversation when you're not emotionally amped because you're less likely to jettison critical thinking in favor of emotional action and thinking. And so this is why like, it's just not only are there more people spreading misinformation during a time of crisis, we are more likely to fall for misinformation because here's the deal. Well, no matter what you think or who you like or, or who you sympathize with on on the on the Israeli Palestinian conflict in general, obviously no one listening is going to be sympathizing with Hamas. However, your sensitivities lie. All of us are prone to fall for like propaganda, and by that I don't mean like state, not even state sponsored. I just mean like colored reporting on any specific issue around this whole conflict. And so what we need to be aware of is our own biases and recognize that we're much more likely, if you are sympathizing with Israel in this situation, much more likely to fall for misinformation that's created by people that are, quote, on our side, than fall for misinformation that are from people on the, quote, other side of this conflict. And so I think we just need to be aware of our own biases and, and kind of where we're bent and how our emotions are affecting our critical thinking and recognize that, um, like, honestly, I don't like to have this perspective all the time because I don't like to be or sound like a pessimist or, or cynical. But right now, frankly, if I see something on the internet about the conflict in Israel, I am assuming it is false until I read it multiple places. Like, I unless it's from like the Associated Press, right? Which is like about as like uh, just reporting what's going on as you can find in news media. I If I see something, I'm going to be like, okay, I see that. 
I appreciate that. I generally trust that person or that source, but I'm going to go check and see if like two or three other places are reporting the same thing because I'm just kind of not going to assume anyone's telling the truth here. It's so emotionally charged and so people are so passionate naturally about this situation that I'm just kind of double and triple checking everything, especially when it comes to like still images and videos that are being posted. Um, I'm just double and triple checking everything right now. I'm not assuming anyone is telling the truth, especially those who have clear allegiances because they have, if anyone has reason to fabricate, it's people who have clear allegiances. And so Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to kind of double and triple check everything right now. So on that, um, you know, in that particular vein or on that particular note, um, there are stories that, you know, the story is told, but because the image is <clears throat> so um, disturbing, horrific and un- uh, unfathomable, um, the images were not posted. The stories were told, the images were not posted. And then the authenticity of the story was denied by others who, you know, whose narrative didn't allow for let's just say the decapitation of very small human beings. Um, so then the state of Israel had to come around to what I think is one of the most difficult. They even acknowledged this. They acknowledged it in their posting. This is the state of Israel. This is the most difficult image we've ever posted. As we are writing this, we are shaking. We went back and forth about posting this, but we need each and every one of you to know this happened. And so I want to deal with um, how much is out there now, um, video and in terms of like visual, the, the, the way that things that we see with our eyes versus things that we hear with our ears so or read. Yeah. So the reading words and hearing stories is different than seeing images. And once you see the image, it is. It sets a hook in your brain. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. It's why yeah, pornography let, is so powerful, right? Yeah, yeah. Let me speak to this because I, I'm, I'm really passionate about this, and I, um, and it might. I some people listening may vehemently disagree, and I think that's okay. I don't think anyone's necessarily right or wrong in in how they perceive this. However, I'm really passionate about this. Um, I. Uh, I, you know, I saw that Israel posted that uh, image of a, you know, dead child, uh, new father here. Not easy for someone like me to come in contact with that kind of media. Uh, and frankly, I, this is the kind of thing that I don't think we need to be consuming. So when mm-hmm. I say that mm-hmm. um, the people who are most invested and are most aligned with a particular side in this situation are going to post content that we can categorize as propaganda and propaganda isn't, isn't untruth. Let's be clear. It's just very one-sided explanation of what's going on in a particular situation that can be propaganda as well. And so frankly, I see an image like that and it disgusts me not only because of the nature of what's going on, but because frankly, I think that that dead child is now being used as a pawn in a sort of media war. And that, that sickens me a lot, frankly. It really makes me mad because mm-hmm. here's the thing. I didn't need to see the image right. of a jumper from 9-11 from the Twin mm-hmm. Towers hitting the mm-hmm. pavement outside the mm-hmm. Twin Towers mm-hmm. to be mad about what happened on 9-11. 
Mm-hmm. I don't need to see the mm-hmm. picture of a dead baby mm-hmm. from Israel to be mad about what happened in Israel. And if we get ourselves to the point that we need to see images like that to mm-hmm. care, that's a that's an us problem, not an information problem. Yeah, like something if if you if you need deep, to see that deep within us yeah, broken. Yeah, yeah, if you if you need to see that to pray, if you need to see mm-hmm. that to care, mm-hmm. we need to do some introspection, not demand we see proof of these kinds mm. of like i don't need to see proof of that kind of stuff to care mm. uh, and this is that's where really i think us being online has just really come to poison our minds frankly that's 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 really helpful we're going to continue our conversation with chris martin here in just a moment the text line is open um you can communicate with us 877-933-2484 you're listening to mornings with carmen thanks for listening to the podcast of mornings with carmen As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Chris Martin. He is a uh, social media consultant. He is an author. Um, the The Wolf in Their Pockets is his latest book. It's just excellent. Um. Uh, Chris, you are a new dad. Um, you are a dad. Um, you and I have both um, seen one of the one of the videos. Um, there, there are so many of these now, right? So this is mainstream media um, getting interviews with people on the ground in Israel who have lost members of their family or who have family members um, or neighbors and friends who um, are missing. Uh, and many of them presumed to be hostages being held uh, in Gaza by Hamas. Um, This one video of this one dad um, whose daughter, he did not know the fate of her. She's, you know, she's, she's little, um, but she's old enough to go spend the night at a friend's house. And so she was uh, in their kibbutz, but at a friend's house spending the night on Friday night. And so on Saturday morning, uh, she was not, with him when the terrorists came into their community. Um, and so uh, he was hopeful that, you know, she's she's hiding with that family in their safe room. Um, but he did not know um, the fate of his daughter for a couple of days. And then when he does learn um, that she's been, that they have found her body and that, and that she's dead, he, I, I I think it's um, both stunning and then at some level, like as a person of faith, I do understand this. He he there's like this almost exclamation of joy. He is he's grateful, um, you know, and he says, you know, death was a blessing. Um, you know, the the things that would be happening to her were she a hostage in Gaza would be worse. There are things worse than death. I wanted to have this conversation with you because. Um, we do see things, we do see videos like this. I cannot imagine watching this with a seven or eight or a nine-year-old kid and then trying to help them understand from a parent's perspective 
why why death was preferable um, in this dad's heart and mind to his daughter being held hostage by Hamas. Yeah, I think um, I can't imagine watching this with a young child either. Um, and as a father of much younger children who even know that Israel's a thing other than when we were talking about Israel this weekend, my three-year-old said, Israel, that's in the Bible. And I said, yeah, you're right. Um, but uh, I, I think, yeah, I saw the video the other day before, you know, we were even talking about it and um, the the video striking. And I think that this is the kind of media that can be helpful in this kind of situation. Um, because I think what's helpful, what's important for us as we you know, watch this take place via social media, traditional media, whatever else. Um, our temptation, especially those of us who are super passionate about, you know, uh, one one side or the other, is going to be to uh, make the side with whom we disagree or do not like less than human so that we can justify the actions being taken by the side that we do like. And I think... Um, what videos like this do for us is it reminds us of the humanity involved in this situation. Um, and the storytelling that, that the interview that I saw was with a CNN reporter. Um, this kind of storytelling I think is incredibly important in these kinds of situations because it makes something that can feel like a TV show uh, in like, you know, just seeing video of attacks or, or whatever, um, and make and, and something that seems distant and and it's easy to see people as less than human because you're not hearing stories. Hearing stories like that one are a great service to us because it helps us remember that real people are involved here uh, and that image bearers of God are involved here. And as hard as it is to listen to a story like that, I think uh, the story of that father and his daughter helps us remember that real people are involved. And it, and it contrasting that with like the image of the baby, um, these things, while hard to hear, are maybe less shocking and less likely to desensitize us and more likely to cause us to care and go to our knees in prayer. Let's... um. Let's do that. Let's um let's turn to the Lord in prayer and Chris, thank you so much for being um for being with us today and a continuing part of this conversation. Father, we do come before you. We just acknowledge our need today. Um we acknowledge our sadness, our grief, our confusion, um our desire for peace, our acknowledgement of war. Um we we like Chris's 3-year-old daughter say to ourselves, "Israel, that's in the Bible." Um, it's also, you know, it's also a place where people live and a people who are a people. And so, Father, we come before you today um, really with hearts that are heavy, brows that are furrowed. Um, and we want to be, we want to be praying in the right way and we want to be praying the right things. And we certainly want to be saying and doing the right things um, in advance of the gospel in this generation in these days. And so we just come before you with bowed heads and open hands. Um, Father, we, we don't know what to do. Um, you are a good, good God. You are the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Your son, Jesus, is king of the Jews. 
And so we come before you in his name, um, acknowledging that you are able to work all things together for the good of those who are called according to your purpose. And so, Father, use us today. Uh, Use us um, as vessels, as conduits of grace, as ministers of reconciliation, as sowers of peace. Use us today. We offer ourselves to you as ambassadors um, of your kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, even as nations um, and peoples rise up against each other. Let us be the people who raise up the name of Jesus in the midst of it all. Our eyes are fixed on him today, Father, seated at your right hand. Help us in all ways today, in every way, help us to advance the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These things we pray in his name. Amen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We've got another hour together next, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.